But the first book I would have read myself would have been probably a Roald Dahl book, but I can't remember which one. I don't have a favorite book, but I have favorite books across many genres. You can't be a writer unless you're a reader. You should continue writing. Literally, boom, I went back more than 30 years at that one moment. If my daughter hadn't actually said that to me, uh, maybe I wouldn't have started my writing journey. Is my writing reminding me about God? Is it reminding me about the journey back to God? So that when you push yourself to depth, that's when you find the treasures. The report started with, I remember the report started with, Rehan, when you read the report, I would suggest you sit down. But today people don't talk about virtues. They're scared of it almost, right? You know, modernist philosophers don't talk about virtue because it means accepting there's a higher standard and we shouldn't fall into that trap. We need to bring our own tradition to the stories that we write. Just start to write and you will have your own journey. Welcome to the Murabiyun Show, raising awareness of Islamic schools. Uh, Ranbai, how are you doing? Alhamdulillah, very well. And how are you? Alhamdulillah, good. Jazakallah khair. You know what? I was thinking, I thought to myself, we have to do this in person. Inshallah. You know, trust me, we, we wouldn't have got this if it was over Zoom. Of course. I would have been busy drinking my tea. You'd have been reading a book while talking to me. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> you're right. This is much better, yeah, right? Alhamdulillah. It might have been a long time ago, but can you remember the first book that you read? The first book I read, my yeah. goodness, that's going back a long way. I think it was probably one of Roald Dahl's children's books, I think. Oh, okay. As to which one, I cannot remember, but it would have been in 1970s. I literally can't remember. It's the first time someone's ever asked me that. And it's probably, uh, this is probably the first book my mother read to me, wow, as opposed to me reading it myself. But the first book I would have read myself would have been probably a Roald Dahl book, but okay. I can't remember which one. What's the chances that most people's first book would have been a Roald Dahl book? Very likely, very likely. Enid Blyton, Roald Dahl, certainly for people who grew up in the 1970s. Uh, 1980s, yes, probably 1990s, more other options started coming up. But certainly people who live in the UK, by all means. And I think it also, it's because it defines it as parents would feel like it's a, it's a safe book for their kids yeah. to read. It's a comfortable book to read, yeah. which is why I think so many parents would, that would be the go-to book for them. Yeah. Okay, favourite book? Now, which genre are you asking? Which oh, category man. are you asking? Because if you're talking science fiction, I would say something like Dune. I don't know if you've read Dune, but nope. Dune has like 50, 60 words of Arabic in it. A lot of the characters are uh, North African, Arab kind of based characters. Mm -hmm. So if it was science fiction, it would be Dune. If it was fantasy, it would be something like Mistborn from, by Brandon Sanderson. Um, if it was uh, some more of a classic story, it would probably be something like Persuasion or Sense and Sensibility by Jane Austen. If it was one of the Russian classics, it would be something like, you know, Russian classics. the Russian classics, the something like uh, uh, The Brothers Karimazov by Dostoevsky. So uh, if it's English classic, probably Charles Dickens, uh, wow. Tale of Two Cities. You know, that's the book that starts with, it was the best of times, it was the worst of times, it was the time of sorrow, it was the time of, it's that one. So um, it really depends what genre you're talking about, really. So I don't have a favourite book, but I have favourite books across many genres. <laughs> Funny story that comes to mind. So you just mentioned um, one of the authors and you mentioned how he started off his book. So um, I've got into the habit of reading, uh, well, not reading, telling my daughter stories before she goes to sleep. And... Um, she made me laugh the other day. I said to her, okay, I was going to read your story now. And she was like, okay. And she says, one day, because that's how I start off my stories. And I thought to myself, like, mashallah, she's caught onto the fact that my stories start off. And now, ever since then, I've had to think twice about how I'm going to start off my stories. Oh my goodness, right, right. So I'm going to have to take some tips off you. Inshallah, inshallah. Okay, so, um, if you were going to recommend me a book to read, which would you recommend? A book. Forget the genre, a book. I'm not really that into books. So. Fiction or non-fiction? You choose. Something that would encourage me to want to read and continue reading. Something that would encourage you to read and continue reading. My goodness, that is some question. I think um, I would probably recommend some, like a storybook because literature, if you, think, if, if you look at a, a good book, right, a good book operates at four levels. Okay. okay. You can read a book at a very, um, just a level of like, what does it say? You know, what's the plot? 
Mm-hmm. Uh, what, what's the story? You know, what's going to happen? So this is what we call the literal level. Okay. So if you're looking for a, a great story like that, probably something like Dune would be great, right? Great story. Or you'd read a classic like the Iliad, for example, by Homer. Um, and it's just a great rip-roaring story. Then you look for a book that maybe has a second level, which is like a moral level. Okay. Okay. So what's actually being said, you know, behind the story as well. Sure. Um, and then you have like another level, which is maybe the more spiritual or metaphysical level. Like what is, you know, what's the cosmology of the writer? So if I was going to recommend to you a book to read, um, I would probably suggest one that operates at different levels. Okay. So then you could read it once as a, as a great story. And maybe you could read it again and be a bit more thoughtful. And I think probably today in this age, right now, I would probably say to you, why don't you read something like Dune? Because it's a very interesting story. It sounds like Dune's your favourite book. It's mentioned, uh, I've mentioned, mentioned it to us. a few times. But, but seeing that you've got all this tech around you, <laughs> I, you know, and you're a techie guy, I think a, a Dune is a science fiction novel you'd enjoy. What's really interesting is that what you just said there about reading a book uh, with a different kind of mindset and approach every time you approach it. Is that generally what you do? Would you read a book several times and approach it with a, with a, from a different angle every time you pick it up? If it's a good book, yeah. I would, yes. Because uh, like, like recently uh, I, I looked at, I read Sense and Sensibility by Jane Austen. And one level, it's, uh, you read the book and it's just about you know, two sisters. One is very sensible, has good decorum, uh, and the other one has sensibility. So she is very emotional right, in her behavior. And you can read it just as a story like that. But at another level, you can also read it as, as a critique of the society wow. and the way the society encourages people to sort of behave and so on. At another level, you can read it at sort of, well, this is actually a story about families and how, you know, families uh, stick together through different, uh, difficult times. So a good book, probably, you need to read a couple of times. But the majority of books probably out there, you can probably read them once and like, yeah, I've done that one. It's really interesting. I mentioned to you a couple of weeks ago, I was uh, out of the country. And um, during that retreat, um, one, of the, one of the students of knowledge mentioned about when you read the Quran, when you do the tabbar of the Quran and you, and you approach it for, for what your need is or what yeah. your want is, and the Quran throws up different gems and miracles every time. So I thought what you were saying there actually... That was quite interesting. Yeah, well, obviously the, the book of God is perfect, right? So no, no book can come anywhere near that. Sure. So that has so many different uh, yeah. avenues. It's just interesting what you were saying about the angle or, or the reason and the rationale you're using yeah. when you're reading something and it, yeah. it throws up different kind of thought processes. As you, as you yeah, go. because often writers will say something at a literal level, but there's, there is an allegorical level, which is what are they not saying? Sure. And good fiction often does that. It makes you think, Okay, but the writer didn't mention that. Was there a reason for that? Ah, okay. Yeah. So it's literal, allegorical, moral, kind of spiritual. It's almost like four levels of reading. Wow. You know. I don't know whether you've inspired me or motivated me to want to read now because <laughs> what you're saying is rather reading the book once, read it four times. Just to let you know, we're running a workshop in January 2023, which is in a couple of months' time, and the workshop is all about how to write your own virtue-based novel. And guess what? It's going to be delivered by our guest today, Rohan Khan. Three days, you're going to learn everything you need to do to write your own novel. Really looking forward to you being there. Please visit www.murabbiun.com forward slash novel and register now. What was your favourite time of the day to read? Like what, 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 you know, I know you read for different reasons and we're going to yeah. go into that, but generally speaking, when do you find the best time for you to read, the best moment in the week to read? Yeah, so my reading practice, because I write in the mornings, right? But my reading practice is very much, I'll be reading sort of three books at the same time. And what I've started doing is I start to, for my fiction, uh, I'll be like listening to a book. Okay. Okay, so I'll actually be listening to it. So recently I listened to uh, uh, Beowulf, and Beowulf is a story uh, that was written in the 7th century, and it's a very monotheistic story. It's about, you know, someone called Beowulf, and he believes in one God, and he goes to help the idol worshippers of Scandinavia overcome this monster called Grendel. Wow. Okay, so it's a fiction. It's a classic story, what you call overcoming the monster, mm-hmm. like overcoming the monster plot structure. Uh, great novel written in the 7th century. No one knows who wrote it. Okay. Um, probably some Christians, but maybe it was someone else. It was written in the UK, in England at the time. Um, 
So I read those kind of books. I listen to them now because often okay. I'm listening to them when I'm doing something else. Maybe I'm ironing my shirts or I'm walking or I'm, you know, oh, okay. someone in the kitchen or I'm driving. Yeah. Um, and then if that book really piques my interest, then I'll actually buy it and I'll reread it again. Oh, okay. So and you buy the hard copy. And yeah, I tend to buy it on Kindle now because I've got, sure. you know, I've like, you know, when you travel, it's <laughs> difficult to carry books around. So, so that's, so that's what I do with listening. And if it's really, really good, I'll buy it as well. Sure. Um, and then, um, in, um, and that's, you know, that, that, that's when I do it. And then when I'm reading something a bit more thoughtful, for example, like a uh, history book, because obviously I write historic fiction, I end up reading really heavy history books. So those will be probably at a time of day more either mid during the day or slightly once I finish work. Okay. okay? And then um, if I'm reading something maybe which is more, um, you know, maybe it's a bit more uh, to do with our own, you know, our faith, our, our tradition, then I'll probably maybe read it something a bit later in the evening. Okay. Um, so perhaps after I finish praying Isha and then as I'm getting ready for bed, just that, you know, my mindset is reminding me about God before I'm going to sleep. How many hours a day do you spend reading and writing Absolutely. Well, writing when I'm actually writing a novel, uh, and uh, so I'm writing a book at the moment. Um, come on to. Well, inshallah. And uh, then uh, I, I would spend about an hour and a half a day writing, sure. which would be about a thousand words a day, okay, okay roughly. When it comes to reading, um, again, uh, I'm aiming for like one to two hours of reading every day because the thing is, uh, you can't be a writer unless you're a reader. All writers are readers first. And sometimes I meet people who are like, yeah, I've written this amazing book and blah, blah, blah. And I was like, okay, well, you know, what's your reading habit? Oh, I don't read. I just write. Mashallah. Mashallah. Okay. <laughs> good luck. <laughs> That's a handy tip, actually. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, all right. Let, let's get to know Rahan a little bit more um, and who Rahan is and why you started writing and, you know, what your motivators are. So tell me a little bit about why you started writing in the first place. You know, what inspired you? What, what's, the, what's the story behind your, your writing journey? Yeah, so when I was uh, young, like many people at school, I was inspired by a, a good teacher to write and I, and I wrote um, and uh, I, I started writing then. Um, but then when as you grow up, you know, and what happens is that you kind of, you know, get busy with uh, university or, if, or, or some other vocation and then you end up working and, uh, and family. And, and so essentially I'd kind of lost my writing passion for many, many years. Okay. Um, and then it was uh, in about 2009, at the time my daughter was about six. And then she said to me, uh, we were sitting at the breakfast table and she said to me, Abu, um, what do you want to be when you grow up? Okay. And I was, uh, you know, middle manager in a company, uh, like in my 30s. And she said, Abu, what do you want to be when you grow up? That's a very cute question for a child to ask. Because, you know, children of that age, if their parents are like a doctor, they know my parents are a doctor. Uh, if, uh, you know, if the, if the parent is a, a police officer, oh, my parents are a police officer. Yeah. But when you work in a, in a, like a corporate office, yeah. it's just like, well, they go to this office thing and <laughs> they sit there in front of a computer all day and like, what do they do? Like, they're not, so kids aren't sure. Not just kids, adults even. Are adults are not sure. Yeah, 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 your grandparents are not sure. Like, what, but I don't know what this, my son does. He just does something. Like, anyway, um, and that was a question that stumped me when she said that to me because I was, I couldn't give an answer. I literally couldn't give an answer. And immediately when she asked me that question, I'd like a flashback back to when I was nine years of age and my American uh, exchange teacher, you know, patting me on the head and saying, Rihan, your book is really good. Well done. You should continue writing. Literally, boom. I went back more than 30 years at that one moment. And I thought, yeah, that's what I always wanted to do when I grew up. I wanted to write. So you always had that passion. I always had it. It's like uh, sometimes things just get veiled from you, you yeah. know, and then there's an unveiling at a certain moment and it, it can happen in the most innocent way. Yeah. Right. And, uh, and so what happened then was that that was in 2009 and we're in 2022 now. So over the last 12, 13 years, I've just got busy writing, really. I've got busy writing. So alhamdulillah, you know, seven books later. Um, but it, I, I, in many ways, I think my daughter hadn't actually said that to me. Uh, maybe I wouldn't have started my writing journey. Well, Masha, that's a beautiful story. And uh, have you shared that with your daughter since? Yes, she, she knows it very well. <laughs> she knows it very well. 
So, what, who, who's your inspiration today? Who inspires you today to write? Who motivates you? Do you have a mentor? Do you have somebody who you, who you use as a reference point? Well, there are so many great writers who I who I read and I respect tremendously. I mean, recently I, I was reading a book um, called Remote Control by Nnedi Okrafor. She's a Nigerian-American writer. And uh, uh, it's a story about a young girl called Fatima in West Africa. And uh, it's, it's set in the future. An object falls from space. This girl picks it up. She's transformed. After that, everything she touches dies. Cars stop working, people die. Mm. Okay. And so what the author, Nnedi Okrafor, was, 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 was actually making a comment about was how a lot of corporations have been experimenting on people in West Africa mm. and the impact on those people. But it's told through a story. So someone like that, uh, and I had the pleasure and, and the, um, I had the pleasure of interviewing her in Abu Dhabi uh, a few months ago. So when you, when you meet writers like that, they're very, very inspirational. Mm. Brandon Sanderson is another uh, great writer in terms of fantasy novels. Um, his novels are also quite virtue-based. Uh, a lot of people in the Christian community really appreciate his books. So again, um, someone like that is, is a great inspiration. But I think, um, you know, putting all the sort of the, the, the human authors aside, I think certainly as, as Muslims, our inspiration is always, uh, and this is what inspires me to write, is that when I'm writing, is my writing reminding me about God? Is it reminding me about the journey back to God? So yes, I'm writing adventure stories, which is swashbuckling, but what virtues, what tarbiyah, what akhlaq is within the story, right? Yeah. And of those things, how can I remember God? And so that's really the inspiration, is that am I remembering God when I'm writing my stories? And then inshallah, maybe, you know, the people who are reading them, reading the books will hopefully enjoy the books because this is a great, it's a great story. But also maybe they'll also think about, you know what? Yeah, actually I remember God as I'm reading the story yeah. as well. So I think that's for me is the main inspiration. It's interesting you said that because I was going to ask you a question about this later on, but I'll ask you that. But when you're writing, how, how do you feel? What's your, what's your, what's your emotions? What's the journey that you're going through inside? Well, most artists, if you ask them whether they're playwrights or they're, you know, uh, people who sculpt a, something or a painting or a musician, you ask them when they are in what you might call flow state, yeah. yeah, or in the zone, sometimes people call it, then uh, time and space just ceases. <laughs> yeah, and it's almost like someone else is doing the writing for you. It's just coming. And those moments are golden. They're really golden because you just feel so connected to something else, right? Sure. And, um, you know, and, and every artist, whether they're a faith-based artist or not a faith-based artist, every artist feels that. Obviously for us, uh, you know, we feel it and we appreciate that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is, is helping us with that. It's not us who's doing it. It's God who's doing it. And we're just, literally just a vehicle for it. So when I'm really in the flow state, um, time just, just goes by completely. Do you find it difficult at times to stop? Um, well, because I, I have a day job as well, obviously I have to stop at some point. So I do have a, I do have a cutoff. Uh, and I think one of the things that when I started writing, what I found was that getting uh, deep into a story, deep into the narrative, mm -hmm. deep into the prose of what I'm writing, it used to take a long time. Okay. Okay. And sometimes maybe I'd play like a nasheed or I'd play some other music just to get myself in the, in the mold. Now it actually disturbs me. Now I don't play anything. I'm just like, no, I'm actually, <laughs> uh, but, but initially on the first, uh, first and second book I wrote, I did used to play something to, to create a mood. Mm -hmm. and, um, and, and the thing about uh, getting deep is that you need to remove distraction. You need to have ritual. You need to have habit. So you need to know where you're going to write, what you're going to have with you. Are you going to have a cup of tea with you? You know, because what that does, that minimizes distraction. Oh, okay. And it's like, um, you know, I live in Dubai and over there, uh, there's a tradition in the Gulf of pearl diving. And pearl divers would put a nose clip on the nose and they would dive deep, right? And they knew that to get the pearl, you had to go really deep. Yeah, because that's where the pearls were. You, mm -hmm. you weren't going to get a pearl in the shallows, you were going to get a pearl in the deep. So every artist knows that when you push yourself to depth, that's when you find the treasures. And so as a writer, when I really push myself deep, right, 
I'm not distracted by anything. That's when I'll find, you know, the, the golden the golden thread really. Whereas if I'm just writing in a kind of a shallow level, the writing is not very good. So a lot of the stuff is about the habits, the rituals, minimizing distraction, and being able to get deep very quickly. So initially it used to take me, when I first wrote my first, sec, uh, first and second book, sometimes it would take 30 minutes to get, 30 to 40 minutes to get into the mood of writing, yeah. where I felt like, okay, this is actually reasonable. Now, alhamdulillah, uh, maybe like 10 minutes or 15 minutes, I'm kind of there. Okay. But it still takes 10, 15 minutes. You know, it's like getting an athlete and uh, asking them to run the 400 meters. They don't just go and run the 400 meters. They stretch, they warm up, they yeah. limber up, they run some short sprints, and then they run 400 meters. So gi give, me, um, give me an idea of if you were going to prepare to write, what would you be doing? What are some of your rituals and your habits before and during your writing? Just, just briefly. Yeah, one thing would be the night before. So normally, obviously, I've, I've designed, I've planned my story. So I know, I know my writing schedule for the next three, three months, four months, five months, six months, because I know what chapters I'm writing, which days I'm writing. Oh, so yeah. it's quite a rigid... It's planned. Oh, yeah, wow. It's planned. Yeah, and we can talk about that more a little bit later on. It's planned. And um, so the night before, I would have uh, looked through my notes and said, okay, tomorrow I'm going to be writing uh, such and such chapter with the following characters, uh, this is going to be, these are the elements within the story uh, of this chapter. Is it, you know, these are the beats within the scene. These are the scenes. These, this is the sequence. This is the chapter. So, you know, I've broken the chapter down into the, into the, into the beats of the chapter. And um, I've, I've looked at that the night before. In the morning then, I would sit down and then I've already know what I'm going to write. So maybe I sit down, I've had my breakfast or maybe I have my bowl of porridge with me. Um, and then, uh, you know, my my writing environment is set up, okay, um, and then I just I'm str I'm what into is, it. What is your writing environment? So when I wrote my first two books, I would actually uh, physically write by hand, okay, uh, because I found it very difficult, and then later I'd type it because I'd find it very difficult to express what I was thinking onto a computer, okay, directly, and it almost needed uh, the hand writing to be like a conduit to channel the words from okay. the brain um, and then type it up later. But by the time I got to my third book, I was comfortable enough that I could then think it and then type it okay, straight away. So I type, I generally type. But before I would have even then, um, you know, started typing, what I would have done, I would have probably, uh, on, a, on a separate piece of paper, I'd have drawn, uh, I would have drawn out the chapter, like a storyboard as well. Okay. So I would have said, okay, so that, you know, the, this chapter is made of eight beats if you imagine eight kind of moments or movements within the chapter and in the first movement uh, this is going to happen and from there we go to this that's going to happen and from there we go to there that's going to happen so i've kind of drawn it out and so i've got my one page um helicopter view on a piece of paper of the whole chapter so then i'm looking at the thing okay i'm just going to start that then i start to t then i start to write so i can keep going back to it and i don't lose my direction what's the environment like so is anybody allowed to walk in? Are you allowed to be disturbed? Is no, it's fine. People can do that because I'm generally I'm at home with either my wife or my kids, and but they know I'm writing, right? So they're not going to like disturb me. And I think I'd what I'd recommend to anyone who's serious about writing, you know, carve out a place that the people who you're living with know yeah. that that is your space. Now, some people are fortunate enough to have a whole. <laughs> room to themselves you know i don't have that some people might have a whole room to themselves some people maybe they've just got a dining table to themselves like a, a seat on a dining ta yeah. dining table maybe someone's got a beanbag where they write whatever it is just make sure the people who know you, you you live with they know that that is your space to write so for me it's my desk and that's where i write okay Alhamdulillah, everybody understands it i guess how long have you been writing that for since 2009, I got serious, really, because before that, I'd written a film script. Okay. I had written a film script. Um, and uh, really 2009, I think I started okay. writing the like first... 13 years or so? Yeah, 13 years, yeah. 13, years. Alhamdulillah. Has time flown by? Alhamdulillah. Alhamdulillah. Time is, stands for no one, right? <laughs> <laughs> How many books, mashallah? So I've now got six uh, fiction and then I've got one business book. Sure. Um, I did have, I did actually write one other book at the beginning, which I um, was kind of a science fiction story. And um, I thought it was a great novel and I thought it was amazing. And, you know, 
I got an editor to look at it. I was like imagining I was going to make be made into a movie, sell millions, I'll retire, blah, blah, blah. And then so when the editor then uh, wrote his report and sent it back to me, the report started with, I remember the report started with, Rehan, when you read the report, I would suggest you sit down. Oh, so you went to that, to that space of yours. And then he basically ripped it apart uh, and uh, redlined the whole document. And uh, at the time when I read his report, I thought, Initially, I was like, what is he talking about? This is like an amazing like, story. Like, who is he? And then when I started reading his commentary, I realized actually he's right. Yeah, it wasn't very well written. There were a lot of structural, grammatical, uh, plot structural issues through the whole book. And um, alhamdulillah, I thought, no, okay, you know, I can, I can write better. And, and so I went back to the drawing board, you know, went on a writing course, tr practiced more and more. And then I wrote three uh, fantasy novels, which, which were self-published, so I, I put them out myself. Mm -hmm. um, and then really once those books were actually picked up by some publishers, uh, I got approached by a publisher who said, look, I've read your books and um, I, I like what you've written, but uh, can we work on something? So then I started, I did three historic fiction, oh, okay. which uh, the first, which was Alhamdulillah, got, did get nominated for the Carnegie Medal, which is, which is quite nice. Awesome. Um, and I just finished that series and now I've written also a business book on distraction yeah. as well. Quite a journey then, 34 years, what's, you know, the, the day job, family and everything that goes with it. Is it something that, um, how, do you, how do you handle all that? How are you handling, managing, mashallah, the commitment that you have to writing and the day job and family commitments and everything else that happens in life. Alhamdulillah, I, think I, I once heard one of the scholars say that, you know, every step in, uh, every step we take in life is one step closer to our death, right? And, and that's not to be morbid uh, and to be despairing, but it's actually just to realize that, uh, you know, we should value the time that we have, yeah. right? Um, and mashallah, we have so much time in a day. Alhamdulillah, you know, like my kids are grown up now, but when my kids were young, uh, when they were like, you know, two, three, four, five, I was just being a full-time parent, just carrying them from like one play date to another play date, <laughs> et cetera, et cetera, being the bag man, you know. And um, and that's fine. That was a phase of life, right? But I, I'm at a different phase of life now. Um, so you have to like not be too hard on yourself. If you find that you're not having time to write and you've got young children or you've got elderly parents, it's okay. Mm -hmm. Just it means at that time you can't do it, but inshallah you'll find another time to do it. Mm -hmm. So you have to like you know don't be too difficult on yourself, don't be too hard on yourself. But when you then do have time, right? Uh, you know, a good test is when we are by ourselves. How do we occupy ourselves? You know, are we just like oh let me go and watch that series on Netflix, you know, or or something else on Apple TV or something? Are we doing that? Or actually, are we doing something that we think is more towards our purpose, right? Mm -hmm. You know, our purpose as human beings in this dunya, right? Are we doing that? And if that's literature, um, then am I pursuing that or am I wasting my time? So I think we have, mashallah, so much time, really. But the, the, the key thing is knowing what not to do and then focusing on then what you do need to do. Yeah. Yeah. So what, what is the objective? What does... If you look back at your life, the legacy, inshallah, you're going to leave, what does that look like from a writing point of view? What would you like to leave behind? Well, I think uh, uh, for me, um, you know, I read, I met a, a, a writer once, a fantasy writer, quite well-known fantasy writer, and he'd written six books, okay, at the time. Uh, he'd actually written many, many books, which were very famous. And he said to me, you know, I'd, I wrote six books, which were no one actually, uh, no publisher took on board, and uh, he said, by my seventh book, I thought, you know what? I'm going to change my intention. My intention is I'm just going to write the best book I can write and forget it. Whatever happens, happens. And that seventh book of his, he got a publishing deal and, you know, he, he went ahead and, and he's a very, very famous writer. And um, at the time, I'd written a couple of books which were self-published. And I was, my mindset was, yeah, it is going to be made into a movie, blah, blah, blah. And then when I heard this, person speaking about it and he's a, a, a you know a very pious christian and um i said to myself do you know what my intention is wrong mm. you know, my nia is wrong yeah and i reorientated my nia first of all my intention and i said you know what 
I'm now just going to write the best book I can write. That's all I'm going to focus on and put it out there and inshallah to see what happens. Yeah. And as soon as I changed my intention, a publishing deal came along. Wow. Publisher approaches me and says, oh, I've read your book. I'm interested in publishing new books. Okay. So the question you're asking about the, the legacy, the legacy is really whatever God wills it to be. But for me as an artist, as a writer, I want to try and leave a body of work that when people, as I say, read it, they have a good time at a, at a literal level. They enjoy the story. But then at an allegorical level, they also understand I'm saying something else. Sure. At a moral level, maybe they learn something and you know take some tarbiyah away. And at a spiritual level, maybe it's something that reminds them about the journey back to God. Because sometimes our hearts become veiled, right? You know, they become you know rusty and yep. you have a veil over them. But alhamdulillah, every person has the fitrah, they have the light within them. And sometimes it's just being able to just open that up. So as an artist, you have a responsibility to help people reconnect with their fitrah, just to remind themselves mm. that you, know, you are God's creation on earth. Yeah. And you know we all profess the same thing, that you know, Al-Spantal is our Lord. Mm. And it's just reminding ourselves about that journey. So for me, the books that I'm writing is that are they reminding me about the covenant I made with God? Yeah. And will it maybe help a few others remember that as well? That's really... And if anything else happens beyond that, that's fine. But th I'm not looking for that, right? And I would rather then spend the time training other writers yeah. who inshallah will, you know, younger generation of writers who inshallah will be a lot better than me and inshallah will many, win many, many awards inshallah. inshallah. What are you working on at the moment then? Well, the series I finished was uh, set in the Ottoman Empire, which was uh, in the 16th century, and alhamdulillah, that, that's, that's done quite well. And the book I'm writing now is, so I'm going back, so I was writing in the 1590s, and now I'm going back to the year 80 BC. Okay. So 80 years before Prophet Isa, before Prophet Jesus. Yeah. And the story is set um, kind of in what is modern-day Jordan, Syria, uh, some of... Afghanistan, bordering on China. Um, it's a book where there are many empires that were vying for the sp for the spice routes and 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 you know control of of commercial trade routes at the time. So it's kind of set in that time. I, I don't want to give too much more away now, but <laughs> it's kind of set in that time. And it's uh, I guess it's a heroic no novel about um, uh, decent people in in decent times who have to make tough choices. Sure. And, you know, when you put your characters under pressure, you find out what their true character is like. So it's one of those stories, like, you know, heroic story and can you still do the right thing when the world is going against you? When, when do you expect it to be finished? Then? I think that will be, inshallah, probably, uh, I think it should be out, start of 2024, inshallah. Okay, so another 12 months or so. Maybe, well, yeah. Probably less than that. Inshallah. I'll finish it before then, inshallah. God willing. Alhamdulillah. I know recent times we, we've had many a conversation about something that you picked up on, which is around um, inspiring and motivating others to, to, to write, to get involved in, in this space that you're in at the moment. And we've often spoken about this concept of virtue-based writing or virtue-based novels. Tell me a little bit or tell the audience a little bit more about what, what does that mean? Yeah, so look, today, I think if you look at all of the stories, most of the stories that are in popular culture, whether they're in movies uh, or they're in fiction, right? There are, um, they're based on certain philosophies, okay? And this might sound, well, what do you mean they're based on certain philosophies, okay? So for example, one of the philosophies that is very prevalent in our time is, uh, is nihilism or nihilism, okay? And um, nihilism comes from the Latin nihil, which means uh, nothing. And it's a philosophy that nothing matters in the world. So there's a German philosopher called uh, Nietzsche, who is the one who, who coined this. And um, it's a philosophy that you know, nothing matters. There is no standard. There is no furqan. There is no right. There is no wrong. Everything goes. Anything goes. Okay. You do what you want because there is no transcendence okay so nihilism is all about the imminence it's about here and now okay and there is no transcendence you're not transcending 
uh, into another world. Okay, that's what nihilism says. There is no other world, right? Now, if you believe that, then you collapse in on yourself and you just, you focus on your own identity. Like, oh, today I'm feeling like this, I'm going to be this. Or tomorrow I'm feeling like this, I'm going to be like that, right? Because there's no, tran there's no horizon. You're not transcending, right? Whereas every faith-based tradition, whether it's you know, Confucius or Taoist or Buddhism, Islam, Ju uh, Judaism, Christianity, we have a transcendent element. The soul is transcending. And because the soul is transcending, you live your life according to a certain furqan, a certain criteria. Yeah. But nihilism, you don't. There is no criteria. So if you look at the movies and stories in popular culture, a lot of them are nihilistic. So that's one philosophy, which is totally driving Hollywood and many other storytellers. Romanticism is another philosophy that drives stories. Now, romanticism are those kind of movies that you might watch or books you might read where essentially uh, mother nature has replaced God. Okay. So, so they, they want to say God, but they'll say it's mother nature. <laughs> you know, and we've, you know, we've, Avatar is the great example of that and, and many others, right? And again, that leaves you very unfulfilled, okay? Um, um, and another kind of philosophy that really drives a lot of popular culture is one uh, of enlightenment science. And Descartes was probably the, the main proponent of this. And enlightenment science is very much about, you know, the, the earth is, uh, an, is essentially, uh, is a resource for human beings to control. Right, so, so we're here to control the resources of the earth. And so you're not living in harmony with God's creation, but you're trying to gain mastery over it. Okay. So you try and gain mastery over your environment, right? You suppress it, so, you, so when you're doing agricultural farming, you're using pesticides to kill the soil. Because if I put pesticides in, I'm gonna, you know, and I'm gonna grow these crops, but the soil dies, right? Whereas if you use permaculture type farming, the soil, the, the soil is the most important thing because the soil is full of millions of microbes, right? So you're cultivating it, right? So what uh, Enlightenment science and, and Descartes theories talk about, they talk about essentially, you know, gain mastery over the, over the environment. And that's the highest form of human pursuit. So these are just three philosophies, and there are many others, right, which are uh, completely dominating all the popular culture uh, that, that we see, even like superheroes, a superhero myth, and where does that come from, and so on. So that's everything that we're consuming in the world around us, right? Yeah. But for those of us who come from a faith-based background, yeah, whether it's Christian, Judo, or uh, Islamic, um, you know, we believe in a transcendent, right? We believe that there is something else. So when we talk about virtue, okay, so the Greeks, for Aristotle, virtue is wisdom, courage, justice, temperance, okay? For us, uh, in our tradition, we also talk about clemency or compassion, right? So if you look at these are the virtues that traditional people in all communities they believed in. Wisdom, yes, right? Yeah. Courage, you know, take courage as, as a virtue. When courage is in the golden mean, when it's balanced and in the middle, then it manifests itself, it shows itself as valor and steadfastness. But when courage goes to an extreme, it becomes recklessness and arrogance. Mm. And when courage goes to a, a, a deficiency, it becomes cowardice. Yeah. yeah. So what virtue is, it's about being in the golden mean. So, you know, when you have wisdom, you're not using your cleverness to outwit other people oh, okay. and you're not being foolish. But actually, you have, you're using your aql, right, correctly. When you have courage, you have a sense of valor, right? When you have clemency, you know, you show compassion to people, right? Genuine compassion towards people. So these are the virtues that every single uh, traditional uh, culture in the world has, has always followed. But today, people don't talk about virtues. They're scared of it almost, right? Because what it does, virtue is based on a standard. It's a furqan, right? There's a standard for virtue, there's a standard for clemency. And the modern world, you know, modernist philosophers don't talk about virtue because it means accepting there's a higher standard yeah. from, from something else, right? So what they talk about, they talk about values. Oh, I value this. Oh, the value of this kind of idea or the value of this painting, or these are my values. And why do they talk about values? Is because values, you can monetize values. 
you can monetize because if you say, oh, someone values this, they'll pay more for it, right? Mm -hmm. You can't monetize virtue. Yeah, you can monetize value. So value, unfortunately, in a lot of the conversations with people has replaced virtue, okay? So for us, uh, uh, of those of a faith-based tradition, you know, virtue is essential. You must have virtue. So when you write a novel uh, that is virtue-based, that has akhlaq, right? So if I'm going to show, uh, for example, you know, wisdom and, and the, the wisdom of a character in a, in a novel, of course I will show stupidity of another character, mm. right? Yeah, or I'll show the, you know, the, the smart, clever wickedness of another character, right? Because you're showing, to show a, a good trait, you have to show a bad trait. Yeah. Yeah. And so the stories that we write, uh, first of all, we need to recognize that there are these other philosophies like nihilism and, uh, you know, enlightenment science and romanticism that dominate the, the popular culture. And we shouldn't fall into that trap. We need to bring our own tradition to the stories that we write because, sorry, go on. I was going to say, is that been your approach from the very start? when you started writing you no not at all no, I think the first uh, set, set of books I wrote I was uh, so they were, they were uh, a set of books called the Tazburai series and they were a, a group of warriors who were in a fantastical land and they were like the best people in, a, in the society but they had kind of lost their golden mean Okay. And they'd become reckless and arrogant, right? And it was, their, it was their journey back to the golden mean. So I was kind of touching on it because I knew I wanted to write about it, but I hadn't quite articulated in my own mind that I wanted to focus on all these virtues. I really wanted to bring that into my story. I think once I'd written those two or three books, to me that became a bit more clear that actually if I am going to write, my stories must be virtue-based stories okay. because that because virtue you see the great thing is because we believe that every human being has is born with the fitra right and doesn't matter how dark the person has become there is still a light inside mm -hmm. so when you write a virtue-based story people will still it will still touch them because the truth of god is there it's always there right that's why even if a, if it's an atheist and they have an emergency or a crisis, what will they say? They'll say, oh my God. <laughs> Why are they saying, oh my God? Because the truth is there in their yeah. hearts, right? So the stories that, if, if our, our stories can help animate and bring that light out in people's hearts, inshallah, mm -hmm. then I think, inshallah, we're serving our purpose as writers. Sure. Is, is that something um, common amongst writers, that they take this virtue-based approach? Or is there is is a handful of you? I think traditionally a lot of stories were like that. Okay. So you read some of the, uh, uh, obviously the Greek classics for sure, Iliad, Odyssey. You read the great Chinese classics like Journey to the West, which is a story about a Buddhist monk, Tripitaka, who goes to India to find the Buddhist scrolls. You read the Persian classics like The Conference of the Birds uh, by uh, Farid Alatar. That's kind of very virtue-based. You read uh, Jane Austen's works like Sense and Sensibility. It's virtue-based. Okay. Um, and uh, you read the Russian classics, you know, War and Peace and uh, the Brothers Karamazov, etc. They are virtue-based. Why? Because in all of those uh, instances, the writers were God-centered individuals. Okay. Yeah. Now, in the, the literature scene is very much a reflection of people are some are uh, theist and some are atheist, mm -hmm. right? So the writing is like that. But mashallah, there are great writers out there, right? There are great writers out there. So if more and more of us can, inshallah, just start writing about these things, then inshallah, we'll, we'll make a difference. Sure. Let's talk a little bit about what makes a, a good writer, a great writer, just somebody who can produce a, a good piece of work. I mean, tell me a little bit about what comes to mind, the characteristics of a, of a good writer. Yeah, so writing, people have this kind of notion that writers just sit in a room somewhere with a pen or a laptop or a keyboard and they just by themselves, right? It sounded yeah. like it, what you explained earlier yeah. on. <laughs> yeah. So that is, a, that is a one part of writing. But writers are, are people essentially who, wherever they go in the world, wherever they travel, whoever they meet, whatever they see, they're always observing people, places and things. So to be a good writer, you have to be a great observer. Okay. You have to be a great listener. What's happening in the world around me? Okay. 
making notes of how do people talk, how do people drink, how do people dress, right? So one of the key inputs of what makes a great writer is your powers of observation. Oh, wow. Observing the world around you. What's happening? What, how am I feeling with my senses? What am I feeling? What am I smelling? What am I seeing? Mm. You know, what am I touching? All the places, alhamdulillah, I've been to maybe about 50 countries or so. And, you know, when I travel, I'm always observing people, right? Because mashallah, what you realize when you travel around the world, that most people are actually really good. Alhamdulillah, wherever you go, people are actually very, very decent. Of course, there are a few people who are a little bit, you know, yeah. uh, you know they have that kind of shaitani element to them. But most people, alhamdulillah, are very decent people. And the stories they have are often shared stories across the world. Um, but culturally, they think, do things differently, which is fine. It's yeah. okay. Um, so I think the first thing about what makes a good writer is, are you an observer? Uh, okay. The second thing of what makes a great writer or a good writer at least, is are you a good reader? Like, you mentioned that, yeah. how much are you reading? You know, um, it, it, that is exceptionally important. Um, I think the third thing that makes a good writer is, do you have um, the discipline to finish a book? Because I, I meet a lot of people who say to me, Rehan, I've got this great idea of how to write a book. I know the first scene, it's going to start like this. He does like this. And I know the last scene is going to finish like this. Okay, great. And what about everything in the middle? <laughs> oh, yeah, I haven't thought about that. Yeah. And, and, and they don't write the book. Now you speak, and, and you, I bumped into them years later. Oh, what happened to that story? Oh, yeah, I started it, but I couldn't finish it, right? Because what they haven't done, they haven't got the discipline to actually break the task down. And so, so what a, a, um, a writer who, who takes their craft, and it's a craft, right, who takes the writing craft seriously, is you spend about 30% of the effort designing the novel. Okay. And then you spend 70% of the effort writing the novel. Okay. So you've got to be someone who has the discipline to actually sit down and design and plan. Now, this is an approach to writing. Now, I'm guessing most of the people listening to this podcast who might be interested in writing are probably holding down some kind of day job. Uh, maybe they're looking after the family. They don't have the luxury like me. Well, I don't have the luxury either to be a full-time writer, right? Yeah. So, which means their time is precious, okay? So then if you plan what you're going to write, you're more likely to do it. Whereas other writers like the horror novelist Stephen King, and Stephen King's written books like It and Salem's Lot and you know, many of these uh, classic horror novels. Now, he, he doesn't plan. Just writes. He just writes. Okay? And he says, I don't plan, I just write. And then what, but, but what he also says is that sometimes he's writing and then he's, written, he's, he's realized, because he hasn't done any planning, that he's written himself into a, into, um, into a corner. Yeah. And then the last 200 pages he's written, he says to scrap it. Oh. Now, he's a full-time writer, so he has that luxury. Yeah. <laughs> but myself, I don't have the luxury. I can't spend waste 200 pages, right? So um, then if you have uh, other commitments beyond writing, you have to develop a more efficient way of writing, and that is then spending time planning. So those are the kind of things I'd say to be a good writer, you must be a great observer, mm -hmm. you must be a good reader, and then you must have the discipline to plan and design your, 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 your story. All of those things that you've mentioned, were they, are they things that somebody told you or through experience you've learned to... These are all experiential, very much experiential. So I'm guessing somewhere along the line you've probably made some mistakes where you've probably gone straight in and written a book and then realised, you know what, I've written myself into a corner. Correct, correct, exactly. So all of the things I've said to you are things that I've learned along the way. Okay, so for, uh, so take the first one about observing. I've always been curious. I've always observed wherever I've gone. But I never used to write it down necessarily. Okay. And then I started writing it down, documenting it. Okay, what was it like? And that helped me capture things. Reading, I've always read, but I haven't been like really proficient. Like now maybe I'll read like in a year, I might read like 50 books or something or 45, 50 books. So I've got myself into a, a certain level. Uh, but I didn't do that at the beginning. And likewise with planning, I wasn't perhaps doing as much as I could. But now, like the novel I'm working on right now, the whole plan is like in a Microsoft Excel sheet, you know, <laughs> quite literally. I've got all the characters on one side. Wow. I've got all the chapters, you know, who the, what's going on, what chapter. Whereas before I could get it down on some sheets of paper, I can't now. I now actually have to put it all into Excel. Um, but that's, 
I've developed that over time and I wouldn't recommend that to a first time writer. Don't start like that because it'll be too overwhelming because you'll get, you'll get lost in the planning of writing sure. and then you won't do the writing. So out of curiosity, how many hours would you have spent um, designing your book and how many hours would you have spent writing your book? So in terms of the hours, I can't say hours, but what I can say is that the percentage, 30% would be yeah. design. What, what does that look like in terms of numbers? I just want to know. Like, is, is it well, like typically a book would take me like one year to write. Okay. Yeah. And if I'm writing hour and a half a day yeah. okay. and I'm writing, you know, if you imagine, say I write, so in, in, a, in a week I'd written maybe say 10 hours of writing, yeah. 10 hours a week times five, 50 weeks, 52 weeks, yeah. that's 520 yeah hours roughly of so which 30 would be design wow that's a lot of time to spend on design isn't it yeah but it's design at the beginning and then it's designing as you're going along yeah sure constantly yeah. tweaking adjusting constantly tweaking yeah, yeah. but this is that this is what i'm doing now um whereas when i started maybe it would, be, it would have been a bit less so yeah. it shouldn't sound like too daunting for people you know my advice is just start to write and you will have your own journey i've had a journey which is the journey i've gone on uh, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will create a different journey for you maybe it'll be easier for you you know so let's talk a little bit about the journey that we're going on together inshallah um, and this idea of trying to trying to create the next um, you know uh, generation of writers inshallah and for them to write from a more virtuous based perspective um for you, what's the what's the thinking behind that? So how this came about, and and and, and you're referring to the course, inshallah, we're running uh, in a couple of months' time. Um, so, which is on how to design a virtue-based novel. So where this came from was I was visiting a lot of uh, faith-based schools, uh, Christian schools and, and Muslim schools, and head teachers and teachers in all of these schools were saying to me that they didn't feel that there were enough virtue-based books out there. So they were saying this to you? They were yeah. saying to me wow. that on their bookshelves, there weren't enough virtue-based stories that they felt comfortable giving the children. So it got me thinking, I thought, well, okay, the only way to have more virtue-based stories on the bookshelves is to have more writers, okay? And then the only way to have more writers is to train the writers, yeah? Just take a couple of steps back. Do we not have, is there not enough writers out there at the moment? So I think when you look at the uh, writing for kind of virtue-based stories, then at the primary level, you know, mashallah, within the Muslim community, there are more and more writers emerging, mm. which is great. Alhamdulillah, there's a lot of sisters, especially a lot of sisters who are doing some great, great work. Sure. But I think where the struggle happens is when you go to the secondary age group, right? So 12 plus. Sure. Okay, so now the kids are reading their own, what they want to read. Uh, there's also in the mainstream, there's a lot of books that are coming through, which, you know, maybe as parents, you think, oh, I'm you know, not very comfortable with my kids yeah. reading. So this uh, course is to help uh, uh, emerging writers who want to write for uh, that secondary age group, university age group, plus adults. Sure. Okay. Because that's where there's a gap, right? That's really where there's a gap. Because um, the primary level books are uh, obviously they're a bit more simple it uh, doesn't take so much effort to write them um, and design them. And some of them are picture books and stuff, which alhamdulillah, they, have a, they fulfill a great kind of niche. But when you then get to more uh, higher end reading, um, you know, imagine, you know, J.K. Rowling, who wrote Harry Potter, right? She spent so long writing that book and designing it, you know, writing books which have that kind of depth in them. Those are plot based books, right? So for that, we need to develop writers. Sure. So, so the purpose of this course, really, inshallah, is hopefully since I've you know, been through part of the journey, I'm hoping that maybe some of the things I've learned and some of the things I've learned from other writers as well, so it's not just me, but things I've learned from other writers, yeah. I can maybe share with um, another group of younger writers. And then inshallah, over the next sort of five, 10 years, then these people will start to publish and they'll, you know, win awards and inshallah, you know, really, uh, you know, uh, you know, make a big difference. What is the, what can you see ahead of us if, if we don't do this, you know, if we just carry on as, it, as things are and our young people are, are taught uh, books based on kind of other um, 
kind of drivers and motives? Yeah, so look, as human beings, we're driven by stories. Right? We all have a story in our minds about things, about the way the world is. Yeah. The world is like this because of that and that and that. And so we're driven by stories. We're animated by stories. We're emotionally charged by stories, right? And uh, I was... Um, uh, I was you know, judging some uh, uh, book competitions over the last few years. And one of the things I noticed was that a lot of the uh, entries in the, in the book competitions were essentially stories that were like ripoffs of Netflix series and like Marvel movies. And that really worried me because I thought you've got young people who are writing stories who are creating stories based on you know uh, superhero movies netflix series which are essentially you know full of you know nihilism and you know, all these things all these philosophies i mentioned earlier and they don't even realize it and the parents don't realize it and the people who are you know all of us who are consuming this we don't realize there's actually a philosophical uh, set of ideas that are driving popular culture stories so the danger to your question is that if we don't do something about this now mm. yeah we're just going to continue consuming stories that really go against our tradition and that will really affect our iman that will really cover our heart in darkness you know and we won't even realize it and then when something you know beautiful comes we won't be able to see its beauty because mm. we're just encrusted with darkness because if, if the stories are corroding our heart, you know, what chance is there, right? So, so this is really an opportunity for writers to think about, A, how can I polish my own heart? Yeah. Uh, and then, inshallah, maybe the people who read my books as well. Because, you know, I'm not going to say them and us, but what's out there, the ideas out there, remember, ideas have consequences. Yeah. Yeah, ideas have consequences. And these ideas have been around for a while now, and and they're really affecting all faith-based communities, uh, including the Muslim community. Sure. Um, I mean, as we come to towards the end of the podcast, and and I, and I know that we're going to be sharing the link of the upcoming course, and inshallah, you're going to be training um, uh, the delegates, uh, the attendees on the day. Um, so, so there's going to be more information on the website on that. But I mean. If there's people watching this and listening and, and they're thinking, mm, you know what, yeah, I like the idea of it, but no, not me because it's too time-consuming or I haven't got the skills or who would want to read one. Like, what kind of advice would you give those people? What, kind of, what would you say to those people? Well, I would say, look, first of all, uh, you know, whatever you do in life, right, uh, if you can do something which is also artistic and creative, right, then you are also using a part of your humanity that Allah SWT has given you this there. Whether you're going to be a sculptor, a painter, a metalsmith, a writer, whatever. So first of all, try and find an activity outside of what you do as your day job or what you do, where you can actually you know, use some of the skills that you have as a human being to actually create things, right? Because you know, Muslims have always traditionally been people who make things, yep. who leave things behind, right? This is why we see the great treasures of the Muslim world in museums, because they made things, they left things behind, right? But if you have a proclivity to actually writing and you want to be, you know, think, oh, maybe I, I, I could write, yeah, then it's an opportunity to actually look at that. Now, it might be that you go on a course like this and you come out of it and then you realize, you know what, actually, um, yes, I can write and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take it very seriously, I'm going to do it. Or maybe you come out at the end of the course and you think, do you know what, I don't think this is for me, writing stories like this, but this has inspired me sure. to pursue another art form. Okay. And actually I realize what I should be doing. I should be doing poetry or I should be doing, you know, uh, sculpting or whatever else it might be. Or it might be that you realize actually a course like this is really good for someone you know. Yeah. yeah? It might be uh, a parent, uh, maybe your parents been talking about, oh, I want to write and they haven't got around to doing it. Or if you're a parent, maybe your, you know, your kids have been talking about it yeah. or a friend or something. And, you know, inshallah, I mean, we've only got like, I think, 15, 20 places or something, yeah. right? So places are limited. Um, and inshallah, I'm sure um, that, you know, we can get hopefully 15, 20 people who you know, want to come together and start this journey. Yeah, sure. Now, Jazakallah Khair. Um, I think, you know, inshallah, the audience will really appreciate what you've said and everything that we've covered. And, um, you know, in time, the idea is, is that we want to... Um, 
it's not about just doing this one off course, but it's really about kind of uh, looking at this from a long term perspective about, you know, supporting um, the educational community with books um, that are appropriate, suitable, of high quality, and also trying to encourage some of the people who share some of those virtues that we talk about to come on board. And, and I'm sure, you know what, we always hear it, you know, it's one of those oh, um, legacy items, one of those things that people talk about, oh, I wish I could write a book or I've got a story in me. And it's always one of those things, you know, it's, it's on the bucket list, but how do you quite tick it off? And it's a daunting idea, let's be honest about it, it's daunting. But I think, alhamdulillah, we've got a good, uh, we've got a good intention in terms of what we want to do. And inshallah. we've got a route to, to, to try and get these books published and what have you, inshallah, one day as well. Inshallah, so inshallah. It should be, it should be really good. But Rohan Bhai, Jazakallah Khair for your time. Thank you so much. Uh, I really appreciate it. And um, hopefully, maybe we can do this again. Inshallah. Um, and good luck with the, with the, with the book. And uh, inshallah, Allah make it a success. And uh, I'm sure many of our schools will have it in their, uh, on their bookshelves um, sometime soon, right? Inshallah. All right. Thank you.